I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group, and this week we are celebrating turning eight years old, our seventh anniversary we're celebrating this week. So Next Move Group was started in late August of 2014, and my, how time has flown. It is hard to believe it's been seven years. So as you're listening to this episode, we're actually getting all nine of our staff members in St. Louis for a two-day strategic planning session. We're going to go watch the Cardinals in the Brewers in the middle of it, and all of a sudden the Cardinals are winning some games. So that's going to actually be an important baseball game we go to Thursday night. But as we kick off year eight, we decided to get all our staff together. There's nine of us now, so we can get all of us together, do some strategic planning in St. Louis so that we figure out what new products and services we want to offer next year and keep this business growing. But in order to celebrate our anniversary, what we decided to do this year, so normally we have an anniversary show where Alex and I get on here and tell you about everything we've been working on, but we're not going to do that this year. This year, what we want to do is play for you a podcast that we have within the movement. So prior to now the only people who've heard this show have been movement members and we aired it back in february and it's been highly downloaded so we thought what we would do is show you just a little preview of what you get over there in the movement i think of all the things we have done alex and i are most excited about growing the movement that's probably the thing we're most excited about it really helps us help economic developers improve their quality of lives and have more success and at the end of the day that's very very important to us so we're going to play for you an episode that we aired for our movement members back in February with Neil Wade and Dr. Bill Smith. They wrote a book called Agents of Economic Development, an essential guide for navigating good, bad, and uncertain times. And one of our members enjoyed this so much, they actually called and asked us, could we send them a book for all their board members? And we were happy to do so. And so this has been a uh, podcast that has been listened to many, many times by our movement members. So we put out podcast or videos every single Tuesday for our movement members. We put 
this one out last February, and up to now, nobody's heard it but movement members. But we thought, what better way to celebrate our anniversary? Instead of us sitting here talking about ourselves, we will go back and give you one of the pieces of content that we put out for our movement members so you can just get a taste of it. Remember, if you're ever interested in joining the movement, you can go to the nextmovegroup.com backslash movement or get up with us. It's $247 a month. Our first members got in at $183, but we've since raised the prices. It's now $247 a month, and you can get content from us really on a constant basis. We put out content every Tuesday. We put out newsletters every Friday, and sometimes we even put out special courses. So we'll take you back to February when this would air. Neil Wade and Dr. Bill Smith, agents of economic development, an essential guide for navigating good, bad, and uncertain times book they wrote. This is a review of it. Hello, welcome to this week's Movement Podcast for our members. So today we're going to talk about a book that I just read that I think should almost be required reading for any economic developer, especially as we do executive searches. I may make the board start reading this book before they, before they decide who to hire. And it's called Agents of Economic Development by Neil Wade and Dr. Bill Smith, an essential guide for navigating good, bad, and uncertain times. And so what we want to do today is really get into uh, Neil and Dr. Smith's backgrounds and then talk about different things in this book that interested me. We're not going to give away the whole book because we need y'all to go buy some, but we're going to get into some things that interested me. So Neil, why don't we start with you? I know I I knew you when I was just a young kid in economic development, working for the Mobile Chamber when you ran the Alabama Department of Commerce. And I think what's interesting in your background is you've run everything from a state organization down to a rural community. So just talk about sort of your career and, and what sets you up to have the kind of expertise that folks can get out of this book if they read it. Well, you know, sometimes I wonder if I just couldn't keep a job, but it's given me a lot of experience in the state level, the private level, academic level, and at the local level. And uh, I've had about 30-something years in economic development. Before that, I was at Alabama Power, and I was responsible for corporate communication for about 15 years there. So all of this is kind of dovetailed together so that I've got a perspective of those who are working at whatever level they're working at. I've been in it. So that is reflected in the book. And so that's what we were trying to do is to make this available and information available to anybody who's involved in economic development. So I brag on Neil a little so he doesn't have to brag on himself. He was the head of Alabama Economic Development when uh, Mobile landed Airbus and when Alabama landed the largest steel mill investment in U.S. history. And I know some others. So he kind of carries the standard as far as state economic development type folks. And so Dr. Smith, I know uh, you're a natural-born marketer. I could tell the chapter in here that you wrote because I read it a long time, the marketing chapter. <laughs> so I'm a marketer myself, so I really enjoyed that. So what I didn't know about you is that you had worked as a technical sales representative for Union Carbide. So I think for economic developers, that would interest me because you actually work for manufacturers. So you understand both sides of the equation, not just the academic side. So just walk us through kind of your background and and what interests you in marketing as it relates to economic development? My focus, even in academia, was mostly industrial marketing, selling to businesses. I taught professional selling and all the marketing courses, including creative marketing. So did quite a bit in marketing research. That's really what I was doing most. Always through my academic career, I drew on my background as a technical sales rep. 
and what I learned. And I just love learning about businesses. It's so interesting to see what people do and how they do it. I could give you a, a nice discussion about what a legal pad looks like. We had a little company up in Meridian making them. And uh, I got to tour that. But anyway, the, the key was is that it's always been applied for me. I had a saying I used to tell students, and it's in the book, knowledge increases the capacity to perform, but it's the application of knowledge. It turns capacity into reality. Knowing isn't enough. You got to do. You must do. And that was one of the things Neil spoke to me. He was a little bit reticent to bring an academic in because he didn't want it, as it says in the front, this is not a textbook. <laughs> it's not a textbook. It's written for anybody to understand. Matter of fact, the reviewers we used, neither one had any knowledge of economic development. They understood the concepts. So we knew we were right on the mark there. So, Well, I think the glossary. Our book is really about bringing in all the people. It's what we call a high-definition community. We want everybody that wants to be involved in making their community prosper, give them the tools to help that economic development professional. And you said right at the start of the book, this is not a theoretical book. I mean, this is about applying stuff and getting the right folks on board and so forth. But I'll tell you the glossary, I think that all the young kids in the business ought to just read the glossary because in there you talk about what all these acronyms mean. I remember when I first got into business, I didn't even know what like CDBG. Somebody was like, let's go get a CDBG grant. And I was like, okay, let's go get it. Well, I didn't know what that even meant. So I think your glossary is a good textbook. So tell me, you, know, you two guys are just sitting around one day. What made y'all decide, let's go write a book? Give us that discussion that led to this. I've been working on this for probably eight or nine years. So it's been something where you accumulate a lot of information over 30 years in economic development, and you have a lot of lessons that you've seen. You've seen a lot of failures. You've seen a lot of successes. And all of a sudden, you start thinking, you know, maybe this could be something that could be used by professionals across the country, as well as those who are involved in economic development. And that was the motivation behind it. And Bill and I both wanted it to be a positive book. As you read it, you'll see a lot of quotes that are positive. You see a lot of statements that are positive, lessons that are positive. We wanted to approach it from that standpoint rather than a dry textbook. We wanted to approach it from a living applied, as Bill said, an applied approach. So that was my motivation. And Bill helped me, got into this with me and has been such an immense partner in bringing aspects of economic development, the book that I had not considered. And I will say he's a whole lot better editor than I am. He went through this book <laughs> word by word. So it's been an invaluable partnership that we've had. Well, and Dr. Smith, I know that, I don't know if struggles are the right word, but it seems like the question that I get most for economic developers is how can I do better marketing? Most of them know how to work a deal when they get an RFP or when the prospect comes to town. I enjoy marketing, so maybe that's why I get this question a lot, but a lot of people ask me, 
what are just the nuts and bolts of marketing my community? And, and I think that this book really gets into a lot of that. And again, we're not going to get into all of them right now, but just talk about, I guess, your interest in writing, particularly that one chapter in here that really takes you from A to Z through marketing a community. People get caught up with marketing's advertising. So basically what they think is that marketing is about your message. It's all about coming up with a message that makes all the light bulbs go off and everybody, oh, let me run and buy that brand or visit that community or what have you. In reality, that's wonderful. But the key to get that is you must understand who you're talking to. You must. I mean, the first thing you learn in marketing is segmentation. You don't try to tell everybody the same message. If you do that, you have to come down to what's common about everybody and they won't feel involved. You talk to people from their frame of reference. You use their words, the way they think. How do they think they make money? You know, all of that information is available. Everything. I used to have my students do library projects where they had to go find the information. Now it's right here in front of you. All you have to do is Google a little bit and you can find out just about everything you need. And you go, well, I don't know what they are. Well, then, you know, it's like eating an elephant. Do a bite at a time. Take your best market and start finding out about them. Go visit them. There's nothing like a plant visit. Nothing. And it's okay. Act like you're stupid. I told my customers, I'm green as a gourd. I know how to spell what I sell, but I don't know how you use it. Please show me. And I learned more than people have been calling on them for years. And I found out who in the plant was the most important person. You learn all kinds of things, eyes and ears. Well, let's you know. dig in. That's one of my questions later on, but since you brought it up, we'll attack it now. In here, y'all talk about the importance of existing industry. So Talk about both of you. I mean, what do you want to learn when you visit an industry? More so than just checking off a box that you went to see them. Talk about how to make that effective and how to get something out of it. I want to also mention something that Bill said that I will play off of with your question. He said, you know, when you go visit a company on a plant tour, he used the word act stupid, but I read an article yesterday and it is leadership from ignorance. And that's exactly what Bill's talking about, is that you approach going in there, I want to absorb, I want to learn, I want to get as much out of that visit as I can. The Lord gave us two ears and one mouth. And what that means is we should listen twice as much as we talk. And I think that's one of the keys as you visit these companies and you sit with them is listen to them and understand what their needs are. And then you're able to go back to your organization and you're able to put something together specifically for that company. And I think that's one of the things I've gotten out of corporate visits and industrial plant visits is I've been able to understand better what their needs are. Therefore, I can go back, put something together in my community that fits specifically for that company. Well, that's the only way to be successful. That's genius advice. Cause I think when I first started, I went on a BRE visit with a power company guy. I won't say who it was, 
but he was almost the opposite. He had the approach. He knew everything. He was telling the business that he could solve their problems before he knew what their problems were. So I never thought about approaching it ignorantly, but if you walk in and say, I want to learn what y'all do so I can figure out how to help you, you'd probably be better off than going in and talking about every program that you had, every tax credit program you had in your arsenal. What you want to find out is what's important to them. And you know how you do that? By paying attention. It really is. The most precious thing in our world, especially now, is undivided attention. You'll have somebody's undivided attention as you walk through that plant. And you can tell. I did it with hospitals. I knew where in six states of the Southeast to have a heart attack and where not to. And only because of I did tours. And what you can do is when people come near something they're proud of, especially proud of, their tone changes, the way they stand changes, and you'll hear it in their voice, you'll see it in them. That's really what a plant tour is about. And also you find out really interesting things about how things are done. It really is a vital. So you read their posture, their tone of voice, everything while you're touring. I mean, you're learning with every step you make, basically. Yeah, and if you want a secret, I had one secret. I always went to the bathroom because the bathroom's in the break room. And guess what's on the break room walls? (laughs) They've got all the things they're measuring. Oh, yeah, yeah, they'll have their metrics. Yeah. No, that is great. So folks, y'all gonna have to read this book and then come back and listen to this again. So y'all can, <laughs> y'all can piece it in. And Dr. Smith, I think your segmentation is very good advice. Cause I'm going to tell you within our company, we built a beautiful website. I spent all kind of money on it. Didn't have anybody looking at it. What good did it do me if nobody was looking at it? But about three years ago, Goldman Sachs chose us to do a, a business accelerator program and they had this whole marketing experience and they taught us to segment our audience. And once we started honing in that we really only wanted to deal with the small to mid-sized communities, you know, used to egotistically, we went after everybody. Once we said we only want the small to mid-sized ones, we went to the moon. I mean, our revenue more than doubled. And so I think that's a good lesson for economic development. You can build the prettiest website in the world, but if you don't have any prospects looking at it, what good is it? So you got to know how to market it. And Neil, you started on this earlier. So among our members are mostly economic developers, but we do have some economic development board members. We've got some mayors. So this book, is this just written for the economic development practitioner or who all in a community might can read this book and get something out of it? Well, quite honestly, it's more written for those who are stakeholders or who are involved on the periphery of economic development, such as your elected officials or your volunteer board members or your partners that are members of your organization. It's written more for them so they can understand it. Yes, a professional economic developer is going to get something out of this. Bill and I have read this book. I'll bet you 15 times each of us trying to go through it and check for errors and all that. And we come back and we say, you know what? I read something brand new today. I didn't even remember. We got more out of it as we read it again, because there were things that helped us even with 30 plus years experience. So it's not written as a textbook but it's written for you to find areas that maybe you need to focus on in your organization. We talk about the teams, for instance, how you can be a better manager of teams within your organization and within your community. 
we've found as we've met with economic developers that figuring out how to communicate, how to do that in a better way. We have a chapter that talks about communication and the importance for economic developers to be able to make a presentation, how you should handle the news media, how you can make that work for you to your advantage. So those are the kind of things that we tried to do in a fairly simple way, but it's a, as Bill said in a conversation yesterday afternoon, you know, this is a pretty good book. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my buildings and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success. Well, I like how you define economic development. And you say right in the book, what's always one of my frustrations, everybody just throws around the term economic development. Every campaign, every time the school board wants to raise a tax, it's in the name of economic development. You know, you, you just hear it thrown around a lot. And I like how y'all really talk about in here, you've got to get your constituents to participate. And I like that. So why don't you talk about why that's important and places you've seen that work and why you really honed in on that. Cause that's something I gravitated to myself. That is a big issue, Chad, that we as professional economic developers need to understand. If somebody walks up to you today and says, Chad, what do you do for a living? Could you answer that? Could you basically explain as an economic developer, this is what I do and this is how it impacts you. We've seen studies in which in the public, the support for economic development is not as strong as it was a decade ago. And that's because many people don't understand how it impacts them. And I think as economic developers, we need to be prepared to answer the question, Chad, what do you do for a living? What is economic development? And we need to be able to do that in a way that they can understand it and then they can apply it to their lives. And that's critical. Matter of fact, the cover tells you that that's really what we're doing. We're bringing people in. And the more people in a community that understand what economic development is, the better off you are when that consultant comes and has dinner the night before and you don't even know he's there. And what is he doing? They're talking. Right. They're asking questions. What's it like to live here? What are the schools like? I mean, you know, they're talking to the person behind the desk, the consultant, she'll, she'll say, tell me where your children go to school. How do you like it? 
What part of town do you live in? All of this is going on, and these people don't have any idea the power their voice has. If the consultant is in your community, that means you're in the final part of the elimination game. Right. You know, or it could be just they're traveling, and you might get in the game because somebody made them see something. And every single one of us, that's what we're looking for. What's that competitive advantage? And boy, you get a whole community working with you, you got a competitive advantage. We actually toyed with the idea of another title for the book, and that was Playing is Everything. People say when is everything, but what Bill is saying is absolutely true. You've got to stay in the competition through the first 50, through the next 20, down the final few, which are the three or four or five. And so you've got to focus on what you can do in each of those steps to stay into the competition, to get to a position where you can win. So we really focused on a lot throughout the book that you've got to do the things right along the way to stay in the competition. That was my second favorite chapter after the marketing, just because I'm a marketing guy. But you even talked about how to gracefully finish second. And I find a lot of communities might not know that. And if you make the right impression, finishing second might get you to win along the way. So don't give away all of your tips for absolutes to stay in the game. But there's a couple I wanted to talk about. One is RFPs. You talked about make your answer unique. And I find a lot of communities don't do that. They just put in their data and let the state answer it. Well, then how do they stand out from the next town? Because all our economic developers get RFPs. What are some little ways that you've seen that they can make those unique? Every RFP start from zero. Start from exactly what their answer, everything they're asking and focusing on their RFP, on their company. And that's, again, going back to the value of learning as much as you can about that company, about that individual, about that site consultant. Know as much as you can before you do the RFP so that you're not sending some boilerplate to them that is lost in the shuffle. If they see that you have really done your homework and focused on their company, on their staff, on their owners, whomever, I think you're going to get read and responded to a lot better than if you take a boilerplate approach. Your answer to an RFP, people are looking, they've already looked at your community to be in there. Somebody's looked, you've made one pass. And also a thing about RFPs, communities will probably notice trends. You might not know who it is, but you might have some idea about what it is that industry is in. That immediately gives you a chance to be unique. Like if I'm doing something for food, I know the most important thing to them is cost per pound. Cost per pound. So anything I can do where I can put cost per pound in it, I would have cost per pound in it. Wow. Which shows shows them this person understands my business. I mean, for example, if I was sending a proposal to a utility, I'd have safety in there somewhere. Those, that's the number one thing they worry about is safety, electric utilities. And I mean, it's that, that's a buzz. That's a key word. And those key words say you're different because you took the time to know who you're talking to. 
You make your customer feel comfortable. That's really what it's about. You're unique in a way that resonates with them. And that comes from that understanding we talk about. I think that, yeah. And then if you're doing steel, you may do terms per metric unit or whatever price. So I think let them see themselves in you and that you understand business. So many economic developers will just put their, their stats and their tax incentive program and never really dive into that. Talk about finishing second. And so, Neil, I'm sure when you ran a state agency, you finished second all the time. So talk about how you would handle that and maybe talk about some good things that later came from those same people you might have finished second with. The first part of finishing second is that you're gracious in finishing second or losing. And I think the next thing that you want to do is you want to find out from the company or from the consultant why did we finish second? Why did we not win? So that you can take that information and sit down with your staff and sit down with your leadership and say, okay, here's why we did not win this project. Here's why we came in second. And here's what we need to do as a result of that so that we've got a better chance of competing stronger the next time. I've had examples, Chad, where Companies that I may have finished second in came back six years later and put us in the mix for the next project. If you look at the Amazon HQ2 project, 238 communities sent in applications for that big proposals. Birmingham, Alabama sent one in as well. They didn't get anywhere close to winning the project, but they have a huge distribution fulfillment center now in Birmingham as a result of doing that. So you've got to think, how can this play to my benefit somewhere down the road? And I think the other thing, and I'll close with this part, once you know you've made contact with that company, stay in contact with them, keep up with them. If you know who the owner and you know who their children are and where they went to school, send notes, send personal notes to them, but stay in contact because one day they may decide to call you and say, hey, we've got a project. We want to talk to you. Yeah. It's the same old saw. It's called repetition, repetition. That's why advertising works. The thing that drives us nuts, but it's sincere repetition when you're dealing with businesses. You must be sincere, but you do stay in touch. You develop a relationship. Those people, if they like you, they'll recommend you to other people. I think you just went through that with one of my students, Brittany McCoy. I did, uh, yeah, I just, did. She came in second. That's and, right, and we hired her. I was she in- was so good, she got hired. I mean, that's so, listen, second isn't bad. Yeah, second I- means you're mighty close. The I- name of the game is to stay in the running. I've hired two of your students, so I practice what I preach. So Yeah, yeah I'm glad about that. I'm mighty happy. And, you know, Dr. Smith also, we didn't get into this earlier, but so he was, I don't know if I got the right term, Dr. Smith, dean, director, chairman, whatever the term is. You were the dean of both the economic development school at Southern Miss and the marketing school, and they were separate. I mean, so you were over both of them. So you're really next level when it comes to marketing. I mean, folks can really learn a lot from listening to some of your tips on that. One other thing about USM, I'll put in a plug for them. We brought economic development in. They recognize we've had a department since 1979. 
they recognized how important economic development is in our future. And the College of Business was renamed to the College of Business and Economic Development to show how much how important it is. Your advice on repetition. I see that just with, I mean, you know, talking about I've hired two people. We got seven of us now. And four years ago, there was two of us. And it's all come from repetition of marketing. I've learned you got to show people something eight or nine times before they even recognize your logo. And so they want to know. People want to know you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really about establishing trust and credibility. That's the most important things when you're dealing with businesses. And you know how you do it? It's funny how you do it. Be interested. If you're interested in them, they will give you their trust because they know your heart's in the right place. Right. They'll believe you too. So, I mean, it's kind of like what mama taught us. <laughs> well, something that I think that everybody's going to be interested in this book. What's the difference in a good community and a high definition community? So in y'all's mind, what's the difference in one versus the other? Cause we got a lot of good communities listening to this that want to go to high definition. And then if somebody knows they're good and not high definition yet, how do they methodically go about getting themselves there? One of my favorite books is good to great by Jim Collins. And we use some of his teachings in the book. And one of the things he says that I think, is so important. Good is the enemy of great. So many communities are satisfied with being good. We're fine. We're doing good. And so they get complacent with just being good. And I think what we're trying to do with this book is help communities see that you can take steps to go beyond just being good. That's one of the lessons that I've learned and I think in the book is don't be satisfied with just being good. Identify those things, those steps, those impediments that you have and work on them so that you can move to the next level. Neil mentioned early on about how important leadership is and the fact that practitioners, actual professional practitioners could learn from the book. And that's one of the keys about this is how do you go from good to great? It's leaders. The leader has be involved. And that leadership is just so vital. They teach classes in it, but it's really in the ditch with it. You got to work at it. What you have to do is you have to train everybody around you to be good. Everybody. That's part of that high definition, which is also high achievement. Something you said that that made sense to me is you said a lot of times the great leadership's unconventional. And that may be different for a lot. And we do have some mayors that are part of this. And so they may, they may wonder, how can I be unconventional and effective and still not get so far out here that I offend everybody? So you may have tips on that. Yeah, well, it's the change. You know, the economic professional has to be a change agent. That's not easy, especially exactly. when you're talking about things like education, workforce, which is so critical. We, all through the book, it's, we pepper everywhere how important the workforce is for the future. Neil, I know that's one of the things you'd like to talk about. I think some economic developers become content in their jobs and they don't see themselves as change agents. If you're in a community, Chad, you were talking about a good community or a fair community versus a great community. If you're in a fair or a good community and there are areas that you think need to be improved so that you can be more competitive, 
change agents as economic developers start working on a strategy and you have three choices. You can either lead, you can convene, or you can support. So you need as an economic developer to pick one of those three choices in the areas that need to be focused on and say, I'm either gonna lead this or I'm gonna pull a group together to attack it or number one, I'm gonna support somebody who's already addressing it. But you need to be involved in those areas where there are deficiencies in your community. All right. And then the book kind of gets into defending deals, defending, you know, how do you make a deal a good deal for the taxpayers? And Neil, I think this goes back to something you said way earlier of how now economic development has less trust now than maybe 10 years ago. And I can see that for myself. I was in a community that tried to merge the city and county government, and they did it all in the name of economic development. They said, if we look bigger, even though we're really not, if we look bigger, we'll land all these industries. And I knew good and well it wasn't going to work. But, but it just goes to show people just throw economic development in for different things. And so talk about how you defend a deal, how you make a good deal for the taxpayer and the community, and then ways you can defend it both personality-wise, and then maybe Dr. Smith can talk about academically. I mean, there are ways that you can show return on investment. So help our local economic developers out there who are trying to be aggressive defend themselves against criticism. The first thing is that you put together a cost-benefit analysis for any projects that you're going to take to the city council or to the county commission. And you basically show if we do this, this, and this, this is when we're going to begin to see a return from that. And so you put together the numbers to defend what you are asking that government entity to do to support the project. I think the other thing and the reason for this book is that when you put that together and you go before the council and you go before the commission, as informed as those commissioners and those council members can be, the better they are. If they understand at the economic development process better, then you're going to be able to present better to them in terms of your proposal for what you want to put into a project. I also say in there, no deal is better than a bad deal. There's sometimes you need to say to your staff and to your leadership, we don't need to do this project. We don't need to propose on this project. What they're asking for is not worth it. And so you have to really be honest with yourself and honest with your leadership in terms of what you're proposing and is it a good deal for the community? And is it a good deal for the company? If you can answer yes on both of those, then I think you can do well. Neil, who did you have do your cost benefit analysis? Was it the university or a state economist? I've had some commissions who'd say when I would show them uh, multiplier, you know how they'll show that manufacturing jobs have a 1.5 multiplier. What I've had some commissioners say, I just don't know if I believe that. And, and I'll say, well, this ain't Chad. This is some economist. So who is the best person to help these communities so the mayor doesn't just think, well, this economic developer just come up with this out of thin air? Chad, that's a great question. And Bill can probably answer this from the academic standpoint better than I can. When I was in commerce in Alabama for eight years, Linda Swan, who worked with me, she put our cost-benefit analysis together. She had graphics and figures on the brain. I don't. But I understood what she was doing, and it was well-received. And the 
the legislators and the governor and others, when we presented it, they accepted it because they felt we had put together an honest approach to what this project meant to the state and when we see a return coming from the project. Right. So, Bill, from a national standpoint, is that something universities do for communities that provide a cost-benefit analysis? Most universities have colleges of business and uh, economic department. Whether or not they're attuned to economic development is a little bit different, but Mississippi has no problem. You won't have any problem getting one from any. And, you know, we have a department, so... and then an outreach department. Economic developers, you need to look at your teammates and don't go in there like it's just you trying to defend yourself. I know when I worked in Tennessee, TVA Electric Power had an economist that would do this for us. And when I was a grunt worker in Mobile, we had a professor at the University of South Alabama. So economic developers, there may be multiple places you can go. But as we do need to defend ourselves more and more, you need to arm yourself with this, whether it's your community college, your university, your power. Somebody will be able to help you if you look well, hard enough. And it's that same trust and credibility. Neil mentioned being honest. My mother taught me a long time ago. She told me, Bill, you're not smart enough to be a good liar. You got to remember who you told what lie to. <laughs> so just deal with the truth. You get a reputation for that. You'll be all right. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Executive Search Spotlight, and we are going to highlight Carroll County, Iowa. So they are looking for an executive director for both the Carroll Area Development Corporation and the Carroll Chamber of Commerce. So you will be leading both organizations. For those of you all not familiar, Carroll County is located pretty much an equidistance between Des Moines, Sioux City, and Omaha, Nebraska. So a wonderful location. It's an outstanding county Tons of, I think, up to 15 communities in this county. Tons to sell from a quality of life perspective. There's two extremely good school systems. You have two higher education opportunities with a university and a community college. There are multiple hospitals in the county, as well as a cancer center. And there are tons of well-known major employers. This organization oversees a staff of three people. So uh, salary is going to be based on experience. If you would like some more information on this position, and I strongly suggest you look at it, visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash CCIA or reach out to Brittany McCoy at thenextmovegroup.com and she can give you some more information. you're talking here embrace what makes a community special outside the interstate so lots of communities look the same from the interstate they may have their shopping mall their gas station talk about really how to differentiate yourself with what really makes your community special compared to all the other interstate towns i am from uh monroeville alabama which is in southwest alabama it's about 100 miles from anywhere and I go back and I sit down with them as they do economic development. And I say to them, Monroeville can only be the best Monroeville it can be. It can't be Montgomery. It can't be Dothan. It can't be Greenville. It can only be the best Monroeville it can be. So I think my advice from a smaller community off the interstate is, is figure out who you are. 
what are your attributes? What are your strengths? What is unique about your community that you can embrace and that you can begin to promote? And I think the other thing is probably to be as professional as you can be, both from a government standpoint and from the economic development. I see way too many websites in smaller communities that just don't do anything for me. They're not well organized, they're not very helpful. So there are just some things that communities can do that are just basic, and Bill talks about that in his marketing section of the book. They're just things that they can do to be the best they can be at the level they are. But Chad, that's one of my passions right now is working in rural America because there are just so many communities that are struggling across this country. They were before the pandemic and they're really struggling now. So that's a great emphasis to talk about is how can we make those communities maybe not be competitive from a recruiting standpoint, but how can they work their existing companies better? How can they do better retail? How can they make their community more charming, more of quality of life? You know, there are a lot of steps that communities can take to be more competitive. And it takes busting from the status quo. Rural communities have a real problem with the status quo. The business owners, they've been doing business the same way for a long time and complaining about people shopping when they're not at home and buy local, et cetera, et cetera. The real key is that's where a change agent is needed. And you know what? It's such simple things. A retailer could increase their sales by doing one thing. I would tell them, just do this one thing. Start a conversation with the people that come in your store. There's a reason they come in your store. So why don't you just start a conversation? You know what? And eventually they'll tell you why they're there. But while they're there, they'll spend more money. And they'll also rely more on you. So many times, what do they say? People walk in and they say, may I help you? No, just looking. That's what most people do. You start a conversation, watch what happens. You'll have what they call a conversion rate, higher conversion rate. That's something economic development can do with existing business. What are you doing? And remember, that's the gravity we talk about. If you have successful businesses in your community, it's like gravity. It pulls attention and people will start paying attention. Well, now, I think with the pandemic, economic developers are going to have more chance to really get nationwide experts to speak to their small businesses in volume, you know, on videos, because nobody's running down to the chamber luncheon anymore. So instead right. of just finding somebody to talk at it, if I were an economic developer again, I'd go out and find the foremost expert on how to do e-commerce and have them give a talk to my people on YouTube or whatever, because now everybody's used to it. So Dr. Smith, we've talked a lot about your marketing stuff and the, the marketing with a twist chapter, which I really enjoy. But page 154 helped me immensely because like Neil, I was raised in rural, not quite rural Alabama. I was raised in rural Mississippi through the woods from Monroeville in a town very similar to Neil's. You go in here to all the different cultures and what you're supposed to do. And that was always hard for me in economic development. I don't do that much of it anymore because most of our clients are American. But, I mean, used to, we'd have a Japanese prospect. We'd have a German prospect. And I would always struggle with how do I hold their business card? How do I this? How do I that? You go in here into whatever country they're from into the customs. 
So you just might talk about why that's important. And folks, I would probably buy this book just for this. It used to be that important to me. As Neil knows, when I was in Mobile, Mobile has all kind of foreign direct investments. I mean, you could have a French company there. You could have German, Japanese. And I was just a little redneck from Waynesboro, Mississippi. I didn't have any earthly idea how to treat those people. Actually, that's Neil. He was very sensitive to it. He also got Dyson Crump in Mobile, which is actually the largest. Wasn't it the largest Dyson Crump plant? It was the largest steel project, the largest industrial project in the country at the time. But, Ted, the point of that is, let's say you've got a foreign company coming into your community and you're doing a reception or you're doing a meeting. All of those in the room need to understand some of the nuances about that country and what their customs are so that they don't do something And I've seen it over and over again where they will do something that maybe offends that particular person because they don't understand the culture. So there are a few things you can do for any country and be mindful of. The other thing is when you travel internationally, you really do have to be mindful of what the customs are and what the culture is so that you understand who the decision maker is. Who do you speak to first? How do you speak to them? Now, those are the kind of things that we tried to put in the book to just give you an idea. It's not everything, but it's designed to basically say, be aware of international cultures and understand them and use them to your advantage. And one of the things I've seen done and we've done before we'll make a trip to Germany or France or Asia we'll have our team get together for an hour, hour and a half, and go through some of the customs for everybody that's going on the trip so that they are aware of some of the things that they need to be mindful of and they need to be careful about. And right before that section, you'll note there are three books that go into depth about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were Kiss, Bow, or Shake Hands, Business Etiquette for Dummies, which would be a good one for me and international business etiquette. So those are three books that went into that. We got a couple of state organizations that are members and we got a couple of power companies that are members. So that might be something they want to do to train their project managers on how to handle those customs. Well, as we wind down, we've been going about an hour now. We usually try to keep these to about an hour. I want to ask you about the Economic Development Leadership Academy. But first, is there anything else about this book? Number one, where can people get it? Do y'all have a website or where do they get it? And then also, uh, is there anything else you want to share with them about it that I might not have asked you? It's available on Amazon. Agents of Economic Development on Amazon. Agents of Economic Development. All right. Anything else about it you'd want to share with folks I might not have asked you? I'm impressed you've read the book. I can tell that, and we appreciate that. I think you covered most of the key chapters into this, but I think the other thing that I'm especially like is that last chapter about finishing well. And that's about your personal habits and how you can be a much better person, how you can be a much better leader. And we close, you know, with Coach Tennessee Coach Pat Summit's statement that success is never uh, final. In other words, you're working on success over and over and it's continuous. And I think that's the whole message of this book. Becoming a better economic developer is continuous. 
I don't care if you've been in it for 30 years or 40 years, you should be still striving to be better at your game and learn every day something that apply in your community. The way we wanted to finish the book is to finish well, is to keep learning and to keep applying what you learn. Yeah, I mean, think about it. This last year has been nothing but learning. Everything changed. It's like somebody threw a light switch and all of a sudden everything was different. It's amazing. But the beauty of this kind of thing is you get to rethink about all the things that you're doing. You can reorient the system. You can draw a new map. You can have a new strategy that's better than the one you've been with. It takes advantage of all the new technology and everything that's coming. It's like you used to walk in a plant and see people everywhere. Now you walk in a plant and see blinking red lights. And pretty soon you're, you know, it's going to be something different. It's just a wonderful time to be in economic development. And that's the beauty And that's really why I love it. I love it because you're the only job I've ever seen that says improve the standard of living for the people where you live. Nobody else. Improve the quality of life for the people you serve. Nobody has any kind of job description like that. And you think about what Neil was able to do in Alabama. And teams, we talk about teams in there, building teams. It's sustainable teams. Not only are they working well when he's there, when he leaves, they're still together, still working. That tells you there's some good information. Are y'all still doing the Advanced Economic Development Leadership Academy or has the COVID put all that off? No, we're getting ready for our fourth class. We're out, uh, we'll be doing that starting in November. We did do a virtual second week in this past November because we couldn't get together, but we have had three full classes. We expect to have a fourth one, but it's going to be in person, Chad. We founded this, and Bill helped us found this with Southern Miss. I've been working with him since the very beginning, and we created this as an experiential learning approach. In other words, we stay away from lectures, and we do a lot of hands-on teamwork, debate, discussions, those kind of things. And our class, the testimonials that come out of our classes, we've just been gratified by everything that they've said. So yes, we are in the middle of getting ready for the fourth class. And tell folks how they learn about that. If some of our members might want to apply or do y'all have a website or where do they go to learn about it? Yes, we do have a website. It's in the process of being revamped right now, but it's there. In fact, I got an application from it this morning. It is the Advanced Economic Development Leadership. There are four university partners, Clemson, Southern Miss, Texas Christian, and the University of New Mexico. They're the four university partners. But we'll be doing a blast to about 2,000. Probably some of your members that will be hearing this will be getting a solicitation with information for our website and about the program, it should be going out in the next week or so. So either the website or look at the blast when it comes out. Yeah. And I've heard good things about it. Uh, Sue Bosch alias is a friend of mine. He runs the Missouri economic development partnership and he told me good things about it last year. So it kind of goes along with your book. It's practical. It's not just academic in nature. 
it's all practical. So uh, thanks to both of you for being with us today. So for our members, we'll put a link in our email. So you can find this on Amazon. It's called Agents of Economic Development by Neil Wade and Dr. Bill Smith, an essential guide for navigating good, bad, and uncertain times. And so I think that our members will enjoy it. But you might also want to get it and give it to your mayor or your chairman or somebody. They may find it helpful too. And uh, Neil and Bill, both of you, I've admired y'all for many years. Neil, when I was just a little 23-year-old redneck project manager in Mobile, I saw you run that state organization and I learned a lot from you without by just watching you, whether you knew it or not. And Dr. Smith, I've always learned from your marketing talks when I come up there and keep putting out these good students because I've hired two of them and I'm real happy with them. So, so keep doing that. And I'll give y'all a final word to our listeners as we wind down. Thank you, Chad. Chad, thank you. The only thing I can say, Chad, is you've reminded Bill and I both how old we are by telling us how young you are. Yeah, I'm getting old. <laughs> I got one more birthday of 40. So this time next year, I can't pretend like I'm the young kid anymore. <laughs> What, 40? What is 40? I don't know what 40 is. To, to it's me, it's half our age, Neil. <laughs> We're one month apart. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys. And to our listeners, we'll put Enjoyed a link it. in. Thank you. We'll put a link in here. And to our listeners, if Thank you Thank you a know, lot, Chad. Yes, sir. To our listeners, if y'all want to know how to get a hold of Neil or Dr. Smith, either one, just contact me and I'll put you in touch with them.